hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document unruly podcast it is a gray dreary day here in the south in the u.s and so i'm moving kind of slowly and sitting down to put this episode together and i thought to myself let's do a little you know instagram story showing people everything that goes into making one podcast episode and it just really reminded me that every episode is quite literally hours and hours of work. And I am a one-person team here. I am finding the guests, researching them, setting up the interviews, doing the interviews, and then editing it all afterwards and looking for sponsors, all of these different things. So it was just a reminder to myself, like, wow, <laughs> I am doing a lot for these episodes And I really, really hope that you're enjoying them, that you're learning from them and getting something out of them. So if you are and that's you, please take just 30 seconds to go rate and review the show wherever you're listening. It will help me reach more listeners. And also, I love going on. It feels like receiving a surprise love note in the mail, which I love getting things in the mail. Um, But that's how it feels to go on and look at the show and see your reviews and ratings. It's, It's so much fun and it reminds me why I keep doing these. So today on the podcast, Virginie is my guest and she will be telling us about what it's like to travel with elderly parents, uh, giving us her best tips for doing so, and we're traversing some topics that we've never talked about before. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode and join us again next month for a new one. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that my guide for Puerto Lopez in Ecuador is now out and about in the world. It's live on my website and you can find the link in the show notes for it. And I'm super excited for y'all to read about Puerto Lopez because it's in this unique situation. It's not super well known for tourists that go to Ecuador. Um, It's this smaller town that sits on the coast and it's not super flashy, you know. It doesn't have a ton of hotels that people are usually drawn to. It doesn't have a ton of activities in the actual town itself for tourists. Um... And it's a fishing town, so it's it's stinky, you know. It's not, you don't go there for the actual town itself usually if you're a tourist. But when we were going to Ecuador, everyone was asking, are you going to the Galapagos Islands? No. <laughs> it's super expensive. Um, and we didn't know, like, ethically how we felt about going there anyway. So we decided to go to Isla de la Plata, which is basically known as the poor man's Galapagos, and you can reach Isla de la Plata from Puerto Lopez. And I explain how to do that on my guide, what you can expect. And also from Puerto Lopez, we were able to go to visit the Agua Blanca community. It's one of the oldest archaeological sites in South America. This community was one of the last coastal communities in Ecuador to succumb to colonization. So many of their traditions are intact. You can visit this small but really incredible museum. You can soak in sulfur pools. And also, there is an incredible beach that we visited within 
a national park that was close to Puerto Lopez. Well, we actually visited multiple beaches that were off one path. And so this guide shows you how to get to all of these different places. And so if you know someone who's traveling to Ecuador or you're traveling to Ecuador yourself in the future, you're going to want to save this uh, and you're going to want to share it with your loved ones. Our sponsor for today's episode is Rome Rhino, and if you frequently listen to the podcast, you know that I've talked about them before, and after doing so, I was so delighted that so many of you went on and created profiles, but now I am challenging you to get back on the app and post to it. I want to see what you've been up to, where you've been, your favorite travel destinations, all of the things. Now, for those of you who haven't heard about Rhino before, I'm going to fill you in. Rhino is a new social travel app that enables people to share and discover travel experiences all over the world. They're different from other apps because they're focused on inclusion in the travel space and they believe in honoring the identities that contribute to who we are and impact how we travel. On Rhino, you can explore travel experiences in different destinations posted by communities like the API community or the queer community. Holla! I am personally a big fan of their mission and how they are talking about travel, especially in this digital age. So you can download the Rome Rhino app on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store, and I will leave a link for you to do so in the show notes. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Unruly Podcast. I I'm really happy to have you on here, and we are wrapping up like our three series sponsored Rhino episodes, so it's very fitting that you are on the last one. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, we just want to get to know you a little bit. Likewise. Thank you so much, Kaylin, for having me. Um, my name is Virginie, Virginie Chan, and I am the co-founder of Rhino, a social travel app focused on diversity and inclusion. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I listen to your podcast a lot, and oh. I love all the topics and the conversations. Um, so I feel really honored to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to get into some questions today because I know you, like, through working with you, and obviously you made the app, like, you, it's your heart in it. So I feel like I know you that way, but I don't know a lot of your personal story. So that will be mm-hmm. fun to get mm-hmm. into. And my surprise question for you today, it's not, it's not very creative, like they sometimes are, but I'm just, I always read like five books at once. And I'm wondering, are you the type of person who reads one book at a time or like five books at a time? And what is one of your favorite books? Mm. So I'm definitely the type of person who reads five books at a time. (laughs) It all depends on my mood. So I'll have one where like, I'm just chilling, you know, like need something to wind down. Maybe I read it right before bed. And then I have others that are like a little bit, I know that will like provoke me a little bit more or cause more of like an internal stir. Um, And I know that people are always like, how do you do that? How do you keep all the storylines and the characters like (laughs) intact? But it works for me. Like I know exactly what's happening in each one. Um, and my favorite book, Ooh, this is tough. I've been really into poetry, mm. um, these past few months. Um, and I really like this book by Ocean Vuong. Um, I actually like all of his like chapters and like all of his titles. Um, so I would say all of them are really like my my favorites Mm. what are they usually what's the theme for them um so they are kind of like they're not fiction um they are store short stories like are kind of focused on his life um he is like an asian american um he talks about you know his experience as a queer person as an asian person growing up in different parts of the world um, and it's just like really honest and candid mm. and it's, it's just so refreshing and it's surprisingly easy to read. Um, just like the flow and there's like so much power. I end up having to highlight and like save a bunch of his, his sentences and quotes. Whoa. Are you actually like highlighting in the book with a highlighter? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's what I do too. That's another question I need to find out when I meet people. It's like, do you highlight in your books? Are you that type of person? <laughs> I know, it's such a dirty thing, right? <laughs> it is, but it's so helpful because then I can flip back through the book, find exactly what I need. Uh, thank you mm-hmm. for, for sharing that. I think that is something that I'd be interested in reading because uh, I've always had a hard time with poetry, but then when it's clear and candid, like you were saying, it really does something to my brain. So I think that listeners will probably like that too. All right. So speaking of life growing up and histories, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood and what your life was like growing up? And I want to know if it had any impact on your love for travel. If that was something that you were taught at a young age or if you didn't have that, so you wanted it when you were older. Yes, please tell us all the details. Yeah, um, so I was born in France um, and I'm the daughter of two Cambodian refugees. My parents were Cambodian genocide survivors and they moved mm-hmm. to, the, to France after the war to seek refuge. Um, and so I grew up in France for a short while and then moved to Minnesota, uh, for the rest of my like childhood and adolescence. Um, and I would say like travel was never really something that we did as a family. My parents were janitors, they didn't speak English. And so they worked really hard, um, to try to make ends meet for us. And travel was never a luxury that we were able to have, Mm -hmm. um, And it really wasn't until high school where I was able to, like, actually, you know, open the doors of what travel means. Um, My three sisters are, you know, U.S. diplomats, and um, they they at the time were living all across the world. Um, And I had the privilege of getting to visit them uh, Mm -hmm. with, like, free housing. Um, And so my first trip was... In high school, I I spent a summer with my sister in Buenos Aires, and I was so, you know, mesmerized by just the world outside of my confines of Minnesota. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, you can imagine, right? The world opens up. Incredible. Exactly. Like, literally what you would imagine the world opening up. Um, Just, like, the challenges, the differences, and being able to be so exposed to that. Um, I loved the learning process of travel um, and just like the unexpectedness of it all. Um, And it's something that is like just really developed as a love in my heart and kind of take from there. Wow. So what, why were your sisters like so inspired to travel and take on those jobs? Because you said all three of them did that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I think... They are a little bit older than me, and so they moved to the U.S. at, like, 14 plus, Mm -hmm. um, whereas I moved to the U.S. when I was four. And I think for them, they have always been kind of driven by, like, social good, um, making an impact, and they definitely saw the opportunities that the United States provided for them, and they had this drive and this fire in them to kind of give it back and pay it forward and open up opportunities for others. Mm. Um, And it's something that, you know, I and the rest of my family are just like really proud of um, in their work and being able to like represent the U.S. all around the world. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is that something that your parents were like, super proud of then when you know your sister you all came here and then your sisters grew up and took on that job and then you started traveling were they encouraging about that were they nurturing that definitely yeah I mean I think there were some moments and some posts that they had where my parents were definitely more nervous Mm -hmm. um and I think you know they also know that my sisters and I are like really strong fearless individuals and um they had a lot of confidence in us and so when they hear us say we got this like they know that we got this wow that's that's so amazing that you say we got this and they're like we understand we believe in you we trust Mm -hmm. because I imagine that gives you a lot of confidence then when you do go out to travel because 
so many people before, especially when females go to travel, they're like, oh, um, this bad thing's going to happen to you. You're going to get kidnapped, like all of these bad things. And then people go out and they're ready to see the world and they leave nervous. And they're like, oh, my God, all these bad things are going to happen. So I love that they're like, okay, (laughs) understood. You do got this. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about what your parents are like? Because I know we're going to talk about them a little bit later when it comes to um, like emotionally getting prepared to travel when you're like a caregiver to elderly parents. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah. Um, so like I said, you know, my parents are Cambodian genocide survivors and, um, they're unbelievably hardworking. And so they, you know, moved to France individually, my mom with my brother, Sam, um, and my dad alone, not really knowing anyone Mm -hmm. and having to create community from the ground up and then jointly making the decision to completely uproot their family to move to Minnesota was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, kind of being in the States and not having any language, um, like baseline in terms of English and working really hard at night. Um, And now I, I think that I look back at my parents and I see how much that they've done for us and how much they've contributed and sacrificed to give us the best life possible. Um, I would say my mom is someone who is so unbelievably nurturing and loving. Um, and despite all of the things that she's been through, she still finds optimism and positivity and light in everything Mm. and everyone that she touches. Um, and it's, it's just incredible to think about the human spirit and just like the resilience that you can have after experiencing the types of things that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so honestly, like it's been one of my biggest kind of goals and journeys in my life is to give back to them now that I'm, you know, at an age where I am an adult and they are now elderly. Um, I want them to rest. I want them to relax and I want them to have the type of life that they didn't have when they were my age um, and older. Um, They worked so hard that I want them to really enjoy um, these years. Yeah. And so that's something that you have to consider and think about when you're preparing to travel and, and going on your daily life. So let's talk about that a little bit now. What is that like? Because I feel like there is this huge culture in the U.S. I was just talking to someone about this where when our parents get elderly or family members, there's not always a lot of care and support for them. Like just send them to retirement home. Don't think about them. You know what I mean? where it's that type of thing. And I feel like in other cultures and other countries, it's, it's really not like that. There's a lot of like support from inside the family. So yeah. How does this impact, I guess your daily life. And then when you're getting ready to travel, you're planning to travel, you're thinking about it. Cause now it's like, you're caring for these other people too. Plus you have a child. Um, so yeah. How does that all fit together? I don't know how it all fits together, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, You know, I think travel is something that I am trying to maximize for my parents right now. I Mm. want them to see parts of the world and enjoy things like the beach and Hawaii and all of those really beautiful destinations that they might not otherwise have an opportunity to if they um, get older and become more, like, physically challenged. Um, And when I do kind of plan travels for them. Even right now, I'm in like the DC, Virginia area, and they're in Minnesota. Um, When they come to visit me, there is like a whole process that I go through to kind of prepare. Um, My parents, you know, having limited English skills, I get really nervous about whether they're going to find their gate. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, my gosh, what, what if they run into an issue, they're at the wrong gate, they don't hear that announcement that the gate has changed um, or they have to like reschedule their flight and go speak with an agent. Um, And so what we found and what we use as like a hack is um, getting wheelchair assistance uh, through the airlines that they're they're flying with. And with wheelchair assistance, they can just go to the airport, go to the counter and tell them, you know, I have a flight today and they will have, 
basically like an escort come and bring them to their gates. And it also helps because they aren't very, um, they're not able to walk very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does help them physically as well. Uh, but it also ensures for us peace of mind that they know where their gate is. Right. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it's a really wonderful service that I'm, gives us a lot of peace of mind. Yeah, that is such a good uh, tip for other people listening to who have to plan that with their parents or family members because they get in the chair and, you know, <laughs> someone's taking them <laughs> where they need to go. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, it's been so honestly, like, sweet and humbling in other instances when they're like on the flight or I'm meeting them at baggage claim. Um, sometimes we like write a note for my parents mm-hmm. um, that says, Hey, I'm traveling from X to Y. This is my daughter's phone number, things like that. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I'll get a call from a random number and I'm like, Oh gosh, who is this? And so I answer and it's someone that's like, Hey, I'm sitting next to your mom and I'm bringing her to baggage claim. And I just wanted to know what kind of car you have. So I, I can help make sure that she gets in the right car. Amazing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping her, for mm-hmm. going out of your way, you know, to really make sure that they're getting to where they need to go. Um, yeah, I think that's my biggest fear is that they're going to have a bad experience. They're going to get lost. Someone's going to be unkind to them in some way. And mm-hmm. honestly, like, it's been really nice that, um, people are, are really willing to open up and, and help them. So it sounds like they haven't had that bad experience so far. Yeah, I don't really think so, where they haven't told me about them. Yeah. Um, you know, I also know that they don't want to, like, stress us out. Um, they also want to really make sure that we're not worried. Um, but to my knowledge right now yeah nothing comes to mind so have you been planning trips for them like helping them pick the destination and all of these things or are you helping more like when they come to visit you with getting them on the airplane getting them off getting them where they need to go uh and i'm also wondering if you have traveled with them in this stage in their life where you really want them to experience all these things are you going along for the adventure too yeah um so to your first question i would say it's like more the latter um they're all like in, in their travel, they're always visiting one of their children um, mm. or one of their children is with them, at least at the final destination. Um, and it's, it's great just to kind of be able to share these memories um, and experience and explore together. I think we have to be obviously like mindful about the types of activities that we do. We don't choose things that are like super physically strenuous, which Right. isn't a huge problem for me because I'm not like super active <laughs> by any means. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's been really great just to kind of explore the world and, um, be able to kind of share that with them. Do you ever have moments where I think that a lot of people experience this? I don't know. Maybe it's just me as an adult when you're traveling with your parents And there's just some moments where you're like, okay, this is getting a little draining or a little challenging because there's like, there's this whole history, right? You're their kid. Um, And if that does happen to you, how do you work through that? No, it absolutely happens to me. A (laughs) hundred percent. I definitely have to really channel into my personal patience um, and also figure out like I, I'm also like the translator during trips too mm-hmm. so I'm like speaking to them in one language and then speaking to someone else in another and it does like take a mental toll like sometimes I, I mix up my languages and it gets kind of messy there um, and so luckily I think what I have found to be really successful for me is just kind of like making sure I'm taking time for myself taking breaks and kind of allowing them to do their own thing Um, so sometimes, you know, I just kind of, my parents go to the pool or go check out like, um, the beach or something like that. And they're in a place where I know they'll be fine. And, um, I go and do my own kind of thing and we meet back up in a couple hours. Um, and that's been just kind of recharging and, um, making sure that I am taking care of myself in the ways that I need to. 
Yeah, that that seems like really important, and I'm glad that you're able to do that and step back for a moment <laughs> and say, <laughs> "You go do you. I'm gonna do me." Uh, I'm wondering if, obviously, I feel like when you travel with parents or um, people with different abilities, at least for me, my travel style has to change a little bit because usually usually I'm very budget travel, just like flying off the seat of my pants, staying in really uncomfortable places uh, that aren't super accessible. And so I'm wondering how you travel, like, before traveling with your parents, what was your traveling style and has it changed a lot now? Like in your adult life, traveling with a kid, traveling with your parents? I would say my traveling style is very much, um, it's kind of a mix of like go with the flow with like structured itineraries. Mm -hmm. Um, I love food. I love relaxation. Those are like my two big things when it comes to travel. And I love kind of exploring and kind of just like getting lost and having and exploring different neighborhoods and not really knowing where I'm going. Um, And then I think now in my present day, especially having a baby that doesn't quite fly as much anymore. (laughs) Um, Like we have like at home really structured schedules for my one and a half year old in terms of like nap times and food and things like that. And when travel kind of comes around, my partner and I, like we know and we accept from the get go, the second that we step out the door that those schedules are out out the window. Mm -hmm. Like there's no way that we're going to be able to, to follow that. And we'll get naps wherever we can. Lunches sometimes are going to be like a bunch of puffs and some like granola (laughs) bars, like, and that's a win. We get, we take the wins where we get them. Um, So you're like ahead of time. You're mentally preparing that it's all out the window. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that there's no kind of expectation that you are striving for that might not be realistic and that you're not disappointing yourself and you're opening yourself to failure to failure in quotes, you know, and to Mm -hmm. mistakes and things not going the way that you necessarily want them to, but also being a pleasant surprise if they do. Um, (laughs) That's always like great too. Yeah. So where have been, it's, I mean, it's such, it almost sounds like a boring question at this point, but like where have some places in the world been that you felt like really opened you up, um, that for some reason you keep going back to and that it's like when people ask you about travel, this is like one of your core memories. Like this place Mm. is so special to me. Do you have any places like that? I think, when you when I hear you say that, I feel like my mind goes to places in Asia, um, so South Korea, Cambodia, India. I feel like in those places, what that core memory, that core feeling, I really resonate with is being part of the majority mm-hmm. and looking around and seeing wow, people look like me here and Mm -hmm. I'm not standing out. And even in, you know, South Korea where like I'm tanner, I'm a lot tanner than most South Koreans. I still felt that sense of like belonging and it's something that I've never felt anywhere else before. Mm -hmm. Um, And it does keep me coming back to to Asia just for that reason of like, wow, what, what, how nice it is to blend in Mm -hmm. and how nice it is to just feel like I fit yeah, I'm imagining that it does something really healthy to your brain and your nervous system where you're just like, ah, mm-hmm. just take some yeah. of the some of the struggle away. And what have been some of your favorite activities that you've done in those countries? Like besides food, right? Because obviously there's so <laughs> much good food. Um, <laughs> how do you relax once you're there? Because I know that's big for you. And, yeah, what are your general, like, go-to activities? So I love experiencing local culture wherever I can. So finding out, like, small businesses and what, like, locals like to do and hang out in. um, And being able to, you know, really kind of immerse myself in those environments. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, especially when it comes to places like Cambodia, one of my favorite kind of activities is definitely going to my parents' hometowns and being able to see family and figure out like where, you know, my parents, um, 
hung out and grew up and things like that it, it has such like a deep meaningful connection and if it's it's not in the main you know capital by any means it's not near all the main tourist attractions um but for me it's about you know what does this place mean to someone mm-hmm. that I love um and mm-hmm. it's also part of my heritage too and so that learning like that is relaxation for me in and of itself mm. and some people right they want to go explore areas where maybe their family came from or they were born but they lived in a different country but they are scared to venture outside of the big cities maybe like their plane lands and they're like okay I just want to go to a hotel what would you say to those people uh either safety tips or just something to internally relax them to encourage them to go to those places that you're talking about Mm, that's a good question I think I'm 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 a little torn I think on the one hand I want them to you know feel safe and this is like travel and this is their travel and so Mm -hmm. I want to be respectful of that I know that sometimes it's it's baby steps maybe it's just like going to a different coffee shop that morning um and trying out like a new place like a restaurant or something like that um deviating from the norm in ways that are big or small um I also think representation and having like guidance in either your company um or the the people that you're with is really helpful so like feeling like you can um be inspired by others who might be in like similar situations to you Mm. and and learning from them um and then also kind of like really listening to your instincts and your gut right like it says so much it's it's so powerful um and when you feel like something's not great or you know you're out of you're uncomfortable in ways that are kind of beyond your measure mm-hmm. um listening to that and and really you know respecting respecting and honoring yourself can you tell us a time when you have had to do that because for i think for anyone who travels like a good bit they're probably gonna have a time where they're like that was a close call i'm so glad i listened to my intuition yeah yeah so i think when i was spending a summer in buenos aires um i was volunteering at uh, an ngo and the trip required like going to the ngo required me to take like the public bus for about an hour um it was like in a pretty distant rural part of town um and i remember catching the bus and I think I might have must have been like late um because it got dark like very fast Mm. and then I got to the place where I was supposed to head out and it was like at the gas station that was the bus stop and it was dark and there was a lot of things happening and I had this really bad vibe like in the pit of my stomach that like I should not get off this stop um Mm. like something around safety potentially and I didn't see anybody from like my team that I recognized or anything like that. And so I, I listened and I stayed on the bus and I went right back. Um, Mm. and you know, I, I like messaged, um, you know, like the founders and whatnot. And they were like, Oh, that's right. Like we weren't actually there today. We had a different event and we forgot to tell you. And so like, I would have been there on my own anyway, like yeah. I stranded at a, a gas station waiting for a ride that was never going to come. Ugh. Um, and kind of just like being alone at a time when we didn't really have like cell phones and data and things like that, mm-hmm. um, to contact each other or like call an Uber back. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really kind of glad that I, I listened to my instincts at that time. Yeah. Because it sounds like you put your instincts and in safety before um, the possible disappointment of these people that you were supposed to <laughs> meet up with, which I think is one of the number one reasons why we don't listen to our instincts sometimes is because like, oh, I said I would be there. This thing's for work. These people are expecting me. There's all these expectations. And sometimes that can make us ignore that gut instinct. But like in your case, it's like they weren't even there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is so true. I think we definitely try to like read the situation and like think about what others are going to expect or we're, we're scared we'll be disappointed and we don't want to hurt their feelings and things like that and sometimes we have to do 
what's right for ourselves and what we think is the right thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you told that story and brought that up because currently I'm taking this um, course. It's called The Makings of a Villain, but it's basically about unlearning all the people-pleasing tendencies and being okay with people being disappointed in you or not liking you. And it's it's changing so much in my brain. <laughs> it's, it's so helpful. And I feel like for inexperienced travelers or someone who's a big people-pleaser, um, you know, that if they ignore that intuition, they will find themselves in trouble sometimes. Um, so I'm, I'm so glad you told that story and I hope it sticks with people when they're in that situation and, and maybe it won't work out for them like it did for you or like the people aren't there anyways, but it's, I think it's better to disappoint someone than to put yourself in danger, you know, for someone to be upset with you, then maybe something really terrible happening to you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I love that you're taking that course. And <laughs> yeah. There's just so much, un- yeah, like you said, unlearning and unwiring, too. It's just so ingrained in us, like generations and society and mm-hmm. all of those things that teach us, you know, we have to make others happy. Um, mm-hmm. We have to put others before ourselves, all of those things that are are so ingrained in so many different ways. Yeah, because when you were talking about your parents, for example, when they're coming to the U.S. and they're not speaking English, it's like I can imagine that trying to get a job or something like that, the first impression with someone is super important, right? Um, Because it's not like they had all these options at their fingertips. And so if someone likes you, really can make it or break it for some people. So I feel like it's totally a defense mechanism that keeps us safe sometimes but then sometimes it can work against us in different situations um Mm -hmm. yeah I love this like integrating into my brain because one of the things in the course like a mantra that we wrote down is not everyone has to like me and I was like wow not everyone has to like me go figure (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that yeah what a lesson uh so I want to talk to you about Rome Rhino and I, there will be an ad at the beginning of this podcast episode, so people will hear a little bit about it. Um, but you are the mastermind behind it. And so I want to hear what the app is about from your perspective. Obviously, it like came out of your heart and you put it into the <laughs> world. So tell us what it means to you. Yeah. So... I think it it really is a part of my heart and a part of, I think, you know, my identity and my lived experiences. Um, We're, you know, a social travel app focused on diversity and inclusion and representation in the travel space. And that really stems from my lived experience of really not seeing much travel content that came from the perspective of a female, Asian, you know, woman. and I remember kind of like even from college having a, a trip that I was planning going to Morocco and I was on all of these travel sites. I do my due diligence. I love researching things to do, what to expect, all of that. And then when I got to Morocco, um, it didn't really pan out that way. Mm-hmm. I had like a very different experience. I experienced a lot of racism. Um, a lot of people kind of like, as I was walking by, would say racial slurs to me. And it was nothing that I had known about. And um, I had zero information. And so I was like, starting to gaslight myself in a lot of ways mm-hmm. of is this, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? Did I, why am I not having the same experiences that I read about? Um, and it comes from, for me, this like app is an opportunity to really highlight different perspectives and talk about what it means to travel as a woman, as an API in different parts of the world, in different identities, you know, if you're disabled, if you are queer, all of those things. And being able to normalize those experiences and those perspectives so they're not so one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's, that's the core of it. That's, that's what we're trying to build and what we're trying to create and just kind of start a revolution on. So in your app, it's not just highlighting all the good times and the wonderful things. It's also like, this was my real experience. So you should know this, maybe not to deter someone from going, but just to let them know what to expect. Correct. 
Right, exactly. And, like, we want to really kind of focus on the good, the bad, the neutral, and just highlighting, like, what perspective are you consuming this content from? Mm -hmm. Um, What is your perspective as you share content? And really kind of, like, highlighting, you know, those identities that really impact the way that we experience the world, not just travel, but, you know, our day-to-day, too. Um, And really kind of allowing people to have access to that information and creating a platform for it. Yeah, which I'm so happy that you're doing because I feel like it will just make sifting through. Like, you're talking about researching the guides and the itineraries and what other people experience. You start to build up expectations, and I feel like it will help make those more realistic and easy for people to find what matters to them when they're researching a destination. Uh, So I want to know, is this app, like, something that, poof you it hit you one day like it hit you on the head and you're like I'm gonna do this or was it something that was uh gradually building up over time I think I would say gradual for sure um I think I was like hitting this frustration a lot and I was thinking a lot about like you know when I don't have access to this information what am I left with I'm either one gonna go to that destination and have all of these you know, experiences that didn't match what I read online, Mm -hmm. or two, I'm often going to go to my, like, friends and family, like, communities, people that I resonate with, and ask them, like, hey, has anybody been here? Can anybody tell me, like, what to expect? Things like that. And chances are, you know, you're not always going to have someone to say, like, I have, let me give you, like, the rundown. Right. (laughs) Um, And so I was really kind of thinking about the person when, those two options are a no-go and um, who like we are a world and we have, you know, a ton of diversity and what if all of that was in one place and what if you could access that without having to ask your group chat um, and your friends and your family Mm -hmm. and thus came right now. Wow. Without scouring the corners of the internet (laughs) to to find that, which I, really what I really appreciate about Rhino is that it feels real to me which is like your goal so obviously well done because it feels very real (laughs) it doesn't feel like as addictive to me as Instagram I feel like on Instagram everything's super flashy and so when I look up Costa Rica it's like all these gorgeous videos and there's like no context as to where they are um who's experiencing it if no one's in the video if, can I do this on a budget? Like, am I going to find queer community here? It's just like very flashy. And I'm just like, oh my God, my brain is overloaded. Um, but when I go into Rhino, I feel like I can be more present and be like, this is a real post from a real person. Not that on Instagram it's not. I know they're real people. But like, this is like something where I know someone sharing their experience on purpose, like very consciously. And they know that other people are looking uh to what they're sharing, uh, with like a very open mind, like ready to take that in because right. You're like going on there to find these things. So personally, that's what I really, really like about it. Um, and I hope more people join so that there's just more to sift through and read about when you're about to go somewhere. Um, I was just looking in the app cause I'm going to Costa Rica next month. So I was searching for mm-hmm. other people in Costa Rica and I can't wait to just like see those pages fill up and obviously I will help fill them up too with my experiences Uh, so thank you for making such a wonderful app I love that yeah our team you know works so hard and we're all so mission driven um, and you know just kind of focused on making a positive impact and using what leverage and platform we have to maximize that So I love hearing kind of from you how you're using it and like the benefit that it's bringing to you and that just, you know, makes us feel like we're doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I hope that it really catches on and that, you know, people can get on there and share the good things, the hard things, like you said, the neutral things where it's just like, this is just how it is because, yeah, I I really think that it is such a great resource for that. Um, and so now, sponsored by you, I have my, <laughs> the rhino questions that I have been asking people yeah. in the last two episodes. Um, so for anyone who's just listening to this episode, maybe it's your first time listening to the podcast or you skipped a couple, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to the last two because we had some 
really amazing guests um and rhino sponsored those episodes and i got to ask some really awesome questions in those that normally i wouldn't have been asking um but brought about such meaningful conversation so i'm really grateful for those and i just want to incorporate them into the podcast going forward just as like a normal thing right because it was just such a such a great um conversation starter to to open up yeah important topics that sometimes we don't always talk about so my first question for you is how has your unique identity impacted your travel experience for better or worse you've talked about you know experiencing the racial slurs and you've also talked about like going to get to see your family and having those really wonderful experiences seeing destinations through like because your parents loved them right because it was a big part of their life and so you've already talked about that a little bit but can you expand on that more yeah i think my identity is you know as an api as a woman as a parent as like the daughter of elderly parents have really impacted my travels um it's even when i don't want them to impact my travels they, they still do. They're just like a very known reality for me um, that I, if I, especially if I step into a space where I know I'm going to look different, um, people, you know, might stare, people might ask to take pictures with me. Um, sometimes, you know, when I travel with my child, you know, they, they wonder if I'm the nanny, things like that. And, you know, it's something that I really have to prepare myself for and mm-hmm. think about you know, am I going to have the emotional capacity to really endure some of these things? And how am I going to react? I think that's probably my, my biggest thing is deciding when I'm going to pick, um, pick and choose like my battles. Mm -hmm. Um, and whether like, I want to say something or, um, or not. And I think that for me, like given my personality, I do often say things. (laughs) Yeah. And it, does take up you know my it does take a toll on me um but I I do love choosing places especially when I'm focused on relaxation where I know I'm going to be safe where I know I'm going to be um you know respected and Mm -hmm. there isn't like this known um underlying sense of like racism or discrimination um and that happens to be in a lot of places in Asia where I feel that's kind of safety Mm -hmm. um and I, I tend to gravitate towards them and while also, you know, really making sure that I'm stepping out of my boundaries and like comfort zones by challenging myself to go to new places as well. Um, I think that my identities have really contributed to all of my experiences in ways that are really beautiful and really tragic at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I honor them. Like I really want to kind of just celebrate and fully own them as like who I am and what makes me me and I think with that kind of like ownership and mentality I'm able to really embrace that those travel experiences that much more Mm -hmm. because it sounds like you're doing all that you can right when you're choosing safety and you're choosing relaxation to be like these are the places that I'm going to but those identities will follow you around the world and impact you no matter what um so I feel like that's great for people listening to who are gonna come up against this maybe they're just starting to travel and they're trying to figure it out that um that's some great advice for them too mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and my well <laughs> my other question is what advice would you share with travelers who have some of those same identities as you is there anything that you would add on to I think I would say that like those fears and those hesitations they're they're so valid I feel them too um and it's a matter of like calculating and thinking about whether you're willing to kind of take that risk and make that jump whatever it looks like I think you know when we think about how to build inclusion in the world and how to create more open minds it does come from exposure it does Mm -hmm. come from not just seeing the same and you know staying in your bubble all of us staying in our each bubble it's like Mm -hmm. we have to cope each other's bubbles and we have to (laughs) expose ourselves to different things and you know, I think the more that that happens, the the more learning and growth that we can create as like a world and like a society overall. 
Mm, yeah, I love that what you said about the bubbles. That was such a good visualization <laughs> in my head. Just all like poking each other's bubbles. Being like, I'm here too. Hello. Uh, and my last question for you is how can the people who don't share those same identities with you uh, be an ally and support you, maybe in general, but definitely in travel spaces? Yeah, I think. In general, I would say creating space and, uh, and you know, allowing and enabling space for others, um, being, you know, comfortable with hearing or leaning into that discomfort of, you know, different perspectives, different opinions, different voices. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in travel, that is really important in, type, in the type of content that you consume, um, but also like the privilege that you might have as you travel and you might notice something that that's going awry Mm -hmm. um and if it's obviously you know safe and you're willing and you have the capacity it means a lot to be able to use that privilege and step in and you know being able to check in with that person if they're okay and, and just telling them like i see you i hear you i saw what happened um are you okay is there anything that i can do those types of things like make you feel seen as um, like as a traveler myself, I, I know that that means a lot to me. Mm, yeah. Such, such a great thing, which is something in the last two episodes I've heard too, is just space to say, Hey, I see what you're going through. Do you need anything? Not trying to like rationalize it. This was good. This was bad. It shouldn't have happened. Just being like that happened. What can I do for you? Um, so such, yeah. such a great reminder because I feel like there is, I mean, through social media, there's so much exposure to different cultures and different types of people, and there are growing pains that come with that that everyone's going to face, and if you have more privilege, then you're going to face less of that. Um, so I feel like that's just such a such a good reminder to just create that space and feel okay if someone's like, what you did was hurtful, what you did uh, impacted me negatively in that way, and trying to go forward with that, because I think that's the the other part of it too right is that as like maybe I'm traveling with a friend who is a parent um who is a woman of color and I do something wrong and they're gonna tell me that it's not always like some random person that we meet is doing something wrong to the people we love sometimes it's it's us so thank you for for bringing that up is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners today any note that you would like to leave them with I think I would just say, you know, like never kind of stop exploring. There's so much, I think, to learn from each other. And um, this like mission around inclusion and diversity and representation, it's something that we all have to hold and be a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a weight that we all want to equally carry and pursue together. And so, you know, leaning into that and, you know, always exploring and, and roaming and roaming yes perfect make the world a better place by leaving things better than i found it you know whether it be people or the planet or you know all kinds of things isn't there a quote that says feel fear and do it anyways yeah 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 so i think for us insignificance we have to do it ourselves people are doing things in their life they're not completely happy with mm-hmm. and they're doing it just because you know it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society definitely or they're just you know stuck in this rut mm-hmm. and you know ruts can be comfortable for people and they can be very comfortable comfort is not how you how you grow as a person <laughs>